I'm Steve Fisher. The COVID pandemic has made a lot of people rethink their lives in a number of ways, causing some to quit their jobs, others to move to new locations. Lee Yeaman did both, moving all the way from her native Scotland to the island of Barbados in the Caribbean. She's my guest on Life Slices. Hi, Lee. Welcome to Life Slices. We're going to start with an, I hope, an easy question. Who is Lee Yeaman? Oh, that's a difficult question. So I am a single mum from Scotland, um, and I was just in Scotland working as a teacher and raising my kids. COVID hit, and I decided that it was time to shake my life up. So I, uh, I got a visa jumped on a flight with my baby and now I'm living in Barbados. That's shaking up your life. So where in Scotland did you live? So I lived in a county called Fife, which is, if you you know Edinburgh or know of Edinburgh, on the east coast of Scotland. So you have the big bridges that come out of Edinburgh and the coast bridges, they're quite iconic. I think the rail bridge is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Yeah, I'm just over the bridge. As we see in Scotland, just over the bridge. Not anymore. So what you moved to Barbados. What prompted you to want to relocate thousands of miles from your home? Um, so I've always I've always had a travel bug. I've always wanted to get out and do things. I left home initially when I was I think sixteen. It was the first time I left home and went and explored a different town. So I've always had the travel bug. And then last year, I was working as a lecturer in a college in Scotland, in COVID hit. And I was working full time from home with my baby at my feet and it all got too much. And I think the anxiety of the whole situation kicked in. I had a bit of a, an anxiety attack that put me in hospital and uh, I decided it was time to make some changes. So I started writing for a living. I quit my job. And then I decided, yeah, well, changed everything else. I might as well change the location. Let's go. So Barbados for now. I'm thinking Mexico next, but we'll see. Of all the countries you could have chosen first, what was it about Barbados that drew you? That's a good question. I was actually speaking about this the other day. Um, so Barbados have the Welcome Stamp project going on just now, which is a visa for remote workers. And they, they, I mean, they're not alone. I think there's about 24 countries and World Tour offering remote work visas, and I know that number's growing. I think Hawaii just brought one out recently. Um, so I um, I looked at all of the different visas. I know that Bali are bringing one out. I quite fancied Bali, but that theirs isn't ready yet. And I quite fancied Mexico, but you have to go into the consulate, and everything was shut because of COVID. So I couldn't sort a visa for Mexico without going into the consulate, which would mean... I would have been stuck in the UK. So um, Barbados one was all online. It was easy to apply that way and get it all moving, even when everything else was shut. So it was a, it was a way out. It was a way out. And also, I've got two older children back in the UK. So my son's 21 and my daughter's 16, and my dad's quite poorly. Um, in fact, I found out about that after I arrived here. Um so there's daily flights from Barbados to the UK and it's only seven, eight hours. So it's, it's really quick to get home if I need to in an emergency. 
and we've got the ability to fly back. It's not. I think with them, um, with Bali, it was like a twenty-four hour flight at the time. Me- Mexico, I think, was. I mean, Mexico wasn't so bad, but it was still a much longer flight. And yeah. What do your older, ki- your grown children think of your move? They think it's amazing. They think it's amazing. Um, so my son's like. I think my son's like, I'm going to quit university and follow my dreams. He's he's got himself a, a sewing machine. He's doing fashion in his spare time. He does. He's at university doing ethical uh, hacking, so cybersecurity. And he's in his third year of that. So he'd already moved out. He was already living with his friends, doing the student thing. So he's um he's now got a sewing machine and he's following his. His passion for fashion, I think, and starting to design clothes. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. Um, and my daughter is 16. So in Scotland, unfortunately, at 16, you're legally an adult, so I couldn't force her to come with me. So she's in love, and she's got a job, and she's at college. So she was like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay, which that broke my heart a little, a lot, actually. That was hard. But she's great, and she's she's so proud of me. She's like, Mum, I feel like I can do anything. Like, you're my role model. And every time she speaks to me, she's like, I'm so proud of you smashing your dreams this year. You know, so it's it's really good. It's, and it's nice to see them thinking of me like that. You know, that's that's quite a, a wonderful thing. You know, rather than just Mum who cooks your dinner and gives you and nags you. Have they come to visit you yet? Not yet, not yet. So um, everything is starting to open back up now. So they'd have to quarantine when they come over. And then because they both have jobs in the UK, they have to wait until the quarantine situation. Um, so they need their COVID vaccines so they don't have to quarantine this side. And for Barbados to be put back on the green List in the UK, so they don't have to quarantine when they return. So it's like two, three weeks, and they can just visit and go back to life, as it were. Um, so I think my son gets his first COVID vaccine tomorrow. Are you fully vaccinated? I'm not. I'm not. We can get vaccinated here, but I think it goes in. It goes in order of like, you know, your vulnerability status. So I'm I'm a low risk group. So although I can get vaccinated, I'm not top of the priority list yet so um i will obviously because traveling is my thing so i have to it's not it's not an option if i want to have a life so no i'm not on i'm not on um i'm not a high priority i'm not i don't have any underlying health conditions and i'm not in the age bracket and so it'll get to me but i'm not going anywhere just yet i'm not going anywhere for the foreseeable future anyway so, so now what is you what is your young your youngest is how old Sorry, sorry, yeah, my youngest, my youngest is three. Sorry, Leo, <laughs> mommy forgot you, yes. Three, that's okay, yeah. I'm not good with math either. The, uh, <laughs> so how does the three-year-old feel? Is he? Uh... He's he's just taking it all in his stride. He's, um, he's at school and he's quite settled and he likes having a swimming Um, and he likes the sun. He's, yeah, he's taking it all quite in his stride, you know. He's, he's fine. As long as he's with me, he's happy. Kids are pretty resilient. Describe the experience of, of totally packing up your life in one country and moving to another. Um, okay. Um, so it wasn't easy. And if anybody tells you this is easy, it's not easy. I mean, it's great. 
it's brilliant and it's it's life changing in many ways the experience but it's not easy so i have i have a dog in the uk and she's she's now living with a family who i know i had to rehome her in the uk bring her so i facetime my dog a lot and cry when i'm facetiming my dog that's that's upsetting (laughs) more so than i do with my kids actually it's terrible (laughs) i totally Um, understand yeah i love my dog um but i remember my friends came round to help me pack the house up when i was once i told everybody i've got the visa it's all in motion i'm going once I actually started packing the house up, my friends came over and they helped me with the kitchen. I remember just standing back and letting them pack the kitchen up. And I had like my hands on my knees. I was bent over with my hands on my knees just doing deep breaths. I was like, like this is really happening. <laughs> so that was, there were a few moments like that. There were a few like, wow, this is really happening moments. Um, and then once we got here, I mean, getting getting on the flight and things that was quite exciting knowing that we weren't coming back straight away and then I think once we got here you know the quarantine hotel felt like we were on holiday that was great that was like that was really I I really struggled to get any work done that week you know I felt like I just wanted to drink mimosas and hang out on the balcony and yeah I don't blame you I, I don't think I'd get anything done oh it's difficult it is difficult but you can't can't um when you live here, you can't continue the mimosa lifestyle or else <laughs> you'd fall into alcoholism. You know, we're here for good, so you have to kind of taper it. But no, the quarantine hotel was, um, it was actually quite nice to be in quarantine and just have that quiet time, that kind of, right, I've done that. That's over now, it's, we're here. And it was like a break between the, the madness of getting here and then starting your life again. So that was quite nice. It was, quite relaxing I think by about day four or five in quarantine I was like I I want to get to my apartment I want to see where we live I I want to get going so we got to the apartment and it's lovely and my landlord was really nice really really helpful he's an older man and um, he phones me every now and again to make sure that Leo and I are fine and we're we're safe and we don't need anything you know he's he's really good and all the people who work around our like condos and stuff they're all they're all lovely really friendly there were quite a few people from canada quite a few expats i think a lot of older women who spend six months in barbados and six months in canada so leave canada for winter but because they couldn't fly back to canada until may they were all still here so i had um, a really nice community of like older women looking after me as well it's like yeah it was lovely um and it was quite quiet when we first got here because everything was still in lockdown. So it opened gradually. So it was a gradual introduction to life in Barbados. It wasn't like, boom, there you go. You're living in Barbados. It was, it was very, yeah, it was a gradual opening. So it was gradual, which was nice, I think, for me. It let me take it a bit at a time at my own pace, yeah. Were there any challenges in reestablishing yourself in Barbados? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the time difference when I came over was only four hours um, and it's five hours now because the clocks go forward in the UK. Um, So working, I have to be up earlier now to work on UK time. So there is that, there was um, challenges just, even just getting a 
shop in, you know, when you go for the groceries. That was challenging. I didn't have a car when I first got here. I had to rely on taxis or ZR buses. If you come to Barbados, you have to do the ZR bus. It's an experience all on its own. What is that? It... Um, so it's little white minivans that um, go all over the island and they take you anywhere for three Barbados dollars. It's about $1.50 US. And they're, they're local buses. So they're just... They beep at you in the passion street or they'll slow down to pick you up. So Leo and I got in one and it was called the Mystery Machine and it was all spray painted like Scooby Doo inside and there's like really loud um, dance hall music playing. So yeah, 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 and they go really fast. So we got off, we got off the bus in Bridgetown and Leo was like, "Mummy, I want to go on that ride again." And that was that was the taxi. Yeah, but great fun. We had to do that to go for groceries and things to start with because taking taxis everywhere is a ridiculous amount of money and Barbados is quite expensive I, that was another shock to the system especially when you first get somewhere new and you're kind of like in holiday mode and you're living like a tourist and then you're like oh I live here that I actually have to go and get groceries I have to cook food to have to kind of so there were some challenges in that in that regard there were also um, a volcano erupted as well so we were we came out of lockdown um, we were out of lockdown fully. Lockdown was meant to open, completely finish on the Monday and we were almost fully open for about two, three days and then volcano erupted and we were all shut in again for another two weeks. Did you get any of the ash from the volcano? Oh, we had so much ash, so much. Um, so we were 100 miles away from St. Vincent and didn't expect it to be as bad as it was, but it was. we were caked, we were covered from what I gather from the meteorological meteor, meteorological services, <laughs> the first blast was so the first blasts were so powerful that they they blew the all of the ash and the debris up so high into the stratosphere that the winds up there blow it eastwards. The east, yeah. And then as it falls, as it was coming over Barbados and falling, the trade winds that go around Barbados were blowing it east and back onto the island, so we were hit with like a double whammy. Of ash, so we were, it was absolutely covered. We were completely locked in, no aircon, couldn't run the air conditioning, um, couldn't open the windows, the doors that were stifling. And people did start to panic at that point. People were trying, I remember seeing on Facebook people trying to charter yachts for ridiculous amount of money to go to another Caribbean island where an airport was still open. The ports were all closed here. How easy is it to get from island to island? I haven't done it personally. I did see on some of the expat Facebook groups that some people did do it, but I think to charter boats is it's expensive. I don't think that's... I think I'll need to wait until I've got my best-selling book out there before I'm chartering boats. But To what degree have you found that, that a lot of the people are expatriates? So there is, a, there is a large expat community here. I have friends who are Asian and I have friends who are expats. Um, and I think a lot of the expats tend to kind of circulate together and stay in the expat community and, and a lot of I don't know I've, there are, I mean there are a lot of expats here but I think I don't I don't live in an area that's particularly affluent I live in you know it's, it's not poor but it's not affluent it's kind of middle of the road so I think we're all kind of mixed in where I am yeah I think my my particular building is a mix of um, locals and expats it's very much integrated 
Um, I can't I can't speak for places like um, I don't know like Sandy Lane or Port St Charles where the celebs hang out and stuff. But I, I would imagine that's far more expaty in that sense. Yeah. So and you and you do have your Canadian friends. Yes, yes, yes. I've got Canadian friends here, which is lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, one of the Canadian ladies is like, you have to come out with us on Friday. She's an elderly lady. She's like, come out with us. We'll take you to karaoke. And I'm like, yes, let's go karaoke. <laughs> now, when you say elderly, how old are these women? Oh, um, 70s, 80s. Oh, that's okay. That's up there. You've also started a new career as a life coach. Or had you started that before you left Scotland? No, I had... Um, I had kind of conceptualized the idea in my head um, and I had when I was going through my own therapy and my own things with the anxiety recovery I thought this is something you know I'd, I'd like to pay that forward that's something that I would like to do and then when I made so I think while I was doing that I started kind of hacking my mind you know like it's a mindset hack to do this kind of thing this isn't easy you know, and it, it takes a certain mindset. And I think over the process of my healing, my therapy, I started doing the mindset hacking. I think that's, for me, that was like, I'd like to help other people do this because a lot of what stops us doing things in life is our own mindset. And it's amazing what possibilities open up when you change the way you look at things, change your mindset. So over the course of the year, I started thinking about it. And then at the start of 2021, just as I was moving, I did my neuro-linguistic practitioner training and decided to become a life coach from there. What is neuro-linguistic? Whatever you said, I can't even repeat it. Neuro-linguistic programming. So basically mind hacking. Un- unpicking, the, unpicking the beliefs that we have, that we pick up from childhood onwards, you know, that keep us kind of stuck in one way of living and kind of unpicking them to open you up to other possibilities. So... I did my neuro-linguistic programming training and, um, yeah, so started life coaching. So that's still that's still taking off. It's still in its infancy. I've got a few clients and it's going well. I like to see that get bigger. I really enjoy that. I enjoy seeing people, you know, hitting their goals and I like being a part of that process, you know. But then I was a teacher for eight years as well, so I think that's something that's in me. How are you developing a clientele? So I'm... I'm trying to be as organic as possible. I haven't done any paid advertisements um, yet. I have, um, I mean, I'm a writer. So when I wrote for the Huffington Post, that was a personal piece that allowed me some shameless self-promotion at the end of it. Um, It was actually my editor who said to me, you'll get your links on there. And I was like, I'm terrible at marketing. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. So um, from that piece, I actually got a few um, clients who were like, they liked what I'd done, they liked how I think, and they were like, I want to work with you because I like the the energy and the dynamic. Um, so that's been really good because that's people who have sought me out for, you know, I'm not, I don't want to work with anyone who I'm not in alignment with, you know, if there's not, the energy isn't right and we're fighting against the tide with each other, it's not. It's not a match. Right, now, are your are your clients local or are they virtual? No, no, my clients are virtual. It's all everything. We live in a virtual world now. Everything's everything's virtual. So part of the welcome stamp as well um, means that you can earn money from anywhere except Barbados. You can't come here and earn money on the welcome. 
system. You're a remote worker. So your work has to be, your income has to be bought remotely. And you're a writer. What do you write? Other than personal pieces in the Huffington Post. Oh, gosh. I write um, I write lots of things. So I recently had a piece on human trafficking in the UK um, published. And at the moment, doing a piece on... Um, so there's a big controversy going on in Scotland just now. Porter was charged with a hate crime for tying a suffragette ribbon on a fence while she was interviewing a transgender person. Transgender person said they felt threatened, thought it represented a noose, um, and she's been charged with a hate crime. So I'm following that just now to see how that comes out. I think there's protests in Scotland and Glasgow on the 20... Oh, there's a little bird just sat here. <laughs> 23rd of July, I think, um, all women, women are coming out and uh, with their suffragette haberdashery um, to protest so I don't know how that's going to pan out I don't know what's going to happen there but I'm following that I think that's my next piece so you're mostly a journalist yeah 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 I do it well I do marketing writing as well I do business to business marketing writing also that's kind of um that's the bread and butter almost you know um the other stuff that I enjoy writing I don't write as often because when you're pitching bigger publications, the response rate isn't as, as a, it's not as good. So, you know, I have to do the business to business market and write in to pay the bills and feed the baby. I, I think it sounds like Leo could probably go out and get his own job. Maybe, maybe he can drive one of those buses. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so I, I saw on your website that you had something called the clan. Now, in my country, the Klan has a totally different connotation. So, just explain what the Klan is. Yeah, so my coaching business is called the Goddess Clan. In Scotland, we are all descended from clans. So, tribes, almost, but in Scotland, they're called clans. So, you've got the Clan MacDonald, Clan Campbell, Clan McDermott, Clan um, the Bruce, you know, so we've got that's our surnames come from that. So under those clan banners, we might not all be related, but we're all kin. You know, we all look after each other. And that's the idea behind the goddess clan. We are a clan of women who come together, support each other um, and help each other grow. So, yeah, um, there's, there's also, there was a story in Scotland about Robert the Bruce when he was crowned king. He was actually crowned by a woman who was a clan mother. She was like a clan elder because he had to be in Scotland. The kings and queens of Scotland had to be crowned by a member of this clan. And the um, the men were all away fighting, I think, in a war. So it was a woman who crowned the king of Scotland. So it's that, you know, the clan mother idea that, you know, you take care of your clan and you're a warrior, but also a mother and leader and, yeah, nurturer. So it's all in there. But, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's it kind of changed when it went international, I think, the meaning of clan, yeah. To someone who is considering a new life in another country, what advice would you offer? I would say really think about what it is you're doing. Really, and why. What is your why? I'm not going to say names, but I know other people who have come out and who have struggled. And I think your why you're doing it is important. You're not going on holiday. You're not 
you're not coming back to the life that you left behind and when you go back you will be changed so you know if you're if you're running away from something in your life you can't run away from yourself no matter where you are you are you Mm-hmm. So if you're running away from something, you think that that's going to change it. You need to sort that before you go. You know, because you're you, wherever you are in the world. You can't outrun yourself. Do your homework. Do your homework. I'm putting together a PDF document, a bit of a report with lots of um, lots of hints and tips and information. Basically, a complete everything you need to know before you go and report um, that I'm putting together for clients who want to travel and stuff. But you know, mentally, you have to you have to be clear on your why. If you're trying to run away from something, you know, you just get to wherever you're going and still be trying to outrun it. You know, you've got to, and I think taking a big leap of faith, and especially for me, I think with, with my son in, in tow, taking that big leap of faith, was, it was really scary, but it's given me a sense of resilience and a sense of, wow, I can I'm really capable of more than I thought I was capable of. And that's that's the amazing things that you get out of it and you should absolutely do it if you want to do it, but just make sure that you think it through because it's not all... I mean, it is all palm cheese and cocktails if you want. It is, it is. But, but the hangovers in Barbados are just as bad as they are back home. So if you're, so you need to... Yeah, I think the biggest thing is be clear on your why. And if you're trying to outrun something, fix whatever it is you're trying to outrun first. And then decide if you still want to go. Excellent advice. And I I wish you the best in, in your travels. And I, I would imagine the hardest part of moving to a place like Barbados is just getting out of that vacation mindset, which you alluded to earlier. Yeah, getting out of, getting out of vacation mode is tough. But at least you have vacation when you want it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I think... Um, I found that working for myself as well, I'm like, I'm a really strict boss, but a really lazy employee. So I, I find if I, if I have a couple of days where I'm bunked off a little bit, the boss in me, like, gets really hard ass, get back to work, you know, so I'm glad I've got that because I'm, I'm quite a lazy employee, I think. <laughs> um, you know yourself, when you work for yourself, you have to, you have to get up and go work or you don't earn money and then you're going back home. If you think a corporate boss is bad, just wait till you work for yourself. You know, if I have if I have a really good week and I do really well one week, I'm like, I can afford to take a few days off. If I take more than like two days, the guilt, the guilt that kicks in is like, I feel so lazy. <laughs> I've got to do some work. Yeah, it's a different dynamic when you work for yourself because you're letting yourself down if you don't put the effort in. Exactly. Well, Lee, Lee Eamon, thank you so much for being part of the podcast and uh, again wish you the the best in all your endeavors and hope to be reading a lot more from you and thank you for having me on enjoy barbados if you enjoyed this program please subscribe and like us on social media and wherever you get your favorite podcasts Life Slices is produced by Beat Dick Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fesleyan Studios. 